Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome back to the program. Final segment of the week. As a matter of fact, then we take a few days off and I'll meet you back here 1230 on Monday. Uh, I, my, my apologies to to both you and, uh, and my colleague waiting on the line right now, but I've got to tell you, I am so distracted right now. I've got uh, my my cell phone here in front of me, and it keeps buzzing every every two three minutes. It's buzz 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 buzz. And when I look down, I see uh, pictures of my little nephew who is uh, he's turning one year old today. He uh, he's a big guy, uh, one year old, and bittersweet. Why uh, I haven't met him yet? Yeah, he li- lives on the other side of the country. And I haven't met this little guy, Matthew, yet. Uh, I can't wait to meet him. I can't wait to hold him. I can't wait for him to meet little baby Piper. And and it's stuff like that. It's stuff like this and these little kind of bittersweet moments where I'm reminded of the distance and also of the reason to celebrate that I get you know, kind of a, a renewed dedication to getting this COVID-19 nonsense behind us. That That's what's preventing our travel right now. Uh, and as soon as we get it behind us, uh, we can start visiting family again. Anyway, I'm sorry. Thanks for going down that little road with me. Uh, let me let me welcome to the program from ABC News, uh, Faith Abube, to help us understand exactly what's happening in Congress right now. Faith, uh, welcome to the program. How are you? Hey, I'm okay, and happy birthday to Matthew. Yeah, thanks a lot. I'll, I'll pass that along to him. Uh, all right, so there was some interesting things took place on the Senate side yesterday, making the future of this package a little uncertain. But what we do know is that uh, in the House, at least, they do plan to vote. Ooh, what's the latest? All right. So Democrats are planning to really take advantage of their slim majority in the House and push this COVID relief package through tonight. We're expecting a vote on the House floor sometime this evening. We're thinking maybe the eight o'clock or nine o'clock hour, but it's not clear exactly what time that will happen. But it will happen tonight and expected to clear. And then the bill heads over to the Senate where they'll likely have to take the minimum wage provision out and then send it back to the House. And the reason for that is last night, the Senate parliamentarian ruled that in order for Democrats to use the special budgetary process called reconciliation, they would have to take the minimum wage increase out of the the bill in in order to bypass um, bypass GOP support. So that's what we're watching to see what the Senate does. In the meantime, uh, Democrats are coming up with several ideas in order to save this minimum wage increase. Are, are those are, are those new creative ways? Are they looking at restructuring this package here, the one point nine trillion dollar package that's being discussed? Or are, are they looking at options for maybe a standalone piece of a legislation? So, so far, we're hearing three schools of thought. So one is to use the tax code or change the Senate rules or amend the relief package to make it happen. Uh, the progressive wing of the Democratic Party has been floating this idea uh, the Rep- uh, Representative Ocasio-Cortez, for example, said today that the Senate parliamentarian should be overruled and that Congress must pass this $15 minimum wage increase. That is an option Democrats do have. Uh, since this is a 50-50 split Senate, Vice President Kamala Harris could act in her power as the Senate president and overrule this parliamentarian, a coalition of more than two dozen progressives. Uh, progressive groups sent a letter to the Biden administration yesterday asking for them to have 
the vice president do just that. But it doesn't seem like the White House has this appetite to do that, to go around the parliamentarian. There's another idea out there from Senator Elizabeth Warren suggesting that uh, perhaps the Senate should get rid of the filibuster altogether, which essentially would allow Democrats to push this bill through without having to use the special budgetary process. And this is the process that's taking out the $15 minimum, minimum wage provision. So if you bypass that, then you don't have to take the minimum wage provision out. There's a third option, and this one is coming from uh, Senator Bernie Sanders. He's saying that uh, tax deductions should be taken away from large corporations that don't pay their workers at least $15 an hour to force them to increase this, um, the $15 minimum, increase the minimum wage, basically. Uh, we've heard uh, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer supporting that idea in some way, suggesting that maybe they could amend the bill and include something along those lines. But again, this is all just a discussion, sure. a, a discussion at this point, and uh, nothing is set in stone yet. Does that third option, the one proposed by uh, Senator Sanders, would that likely lead to another occasion where that same Senate parliamentarian would have to make a similar decision? And not necessarily. Uh, it depends on how they go about it. So if they try to push the, push this through as part of a reconciliation process, which they only have one option during a fiscal year to do this, right. then the parliamentarian would come in. But if they go, let's say they try to change the tax code or do something else to get this through in that way, uh, then they would have to the bypass her. Exactly. Uh, but time is ticking. They have till March 14th in order to get this bill on the president's desk before millions of Americans lose their federal unemployment benefits. So it's, it'll be interesting to see what they, they decide to do. Yeah, Faith Abube with ABC News. Thank you so much for your insight here. Uh, wonderful analysis. Thank you. Thank you. All righty. Uh, so there you heard it. Those three alternate scenarios, the, 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 one of those three things, you know, if this package, if this monstrous nearly $2 trillion package is to go through, uh, will need to come about. There needs to be, again, if, if if Democrats are dead set on getting this through, they're going to need to somehow address the ruling by this parliamentarian. They need to, if they are dead set on including a $15 minimum wage, uh, it's going to take some creativity. Those first two options there shared by Faith Abube of ABC News, uh, the in my humble opinion, set incredibly dangerous precedent. Number one, to abolish the filibuster uh, removes the voice of uh, the minority party, Uh, regardless of the party, right? So uh, Democrats right now are in the majority. Uh, The filibuster serves the the objectives of Republicans as they are in the minority. Well, the same story would be, uh, you know, in place if and when the, the tables are turned. So do you do that and and shoot yourself in the foot later on down the road? And then that other option of voting to overrule the ruling of the parliamentarian. I didn't have a chance to ask Faith about this, but uh, to, to my knowledge, that is uh, not, at least when it is used, when rulings are required at this stage of the game. I, I don't believe, well, let me. I, I won't be absolute about it, but I can't think of an instance where that has happened. I can't think of an instance where a ruling was required, the body, or at least the majority party within the Senate body, decided, eh, you know what, not a big fan of that decision. Uh, why don't we each uh, raise our hands and see who uh, here wants to overrule that? Uh, that might be a dangerous precedent to set as well. And then the, the, the third case, uh, the scenario presented by Senator uh, Bernie Sanders trying to bring about uh, uh, essentially a backdoor plan to implement a $15 minimum wage where you would either incentivize 
those to offer it or penalize those who don't. Uh, That one's up uh, for grabs as well. But it all comes back to this question. Actually, two questions. Should the federal government even be involved in this question of a minimum wage? Should there be a minimum wage? And then secondarily, are we right now in a position where we ought to be shelling out nearly $2 trillion? Food for thought. Why don't you chew on it for the weekend? And we'll meet you back here on Monday at 1230 for the next episode of Live Mike. Right now, though, time for me to step aside and go celebrate my birthday and make way for the great Jeff Kaplan on Jeff Kaplan's Afternoon News here on KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.